All right. Yeah, it's on. All right. So, salt and light. If you have been here for any time at all, I'm sure you've heard me say, go be salt and light. Um, at times, it's something I said every week, and then, you know, then the period of time will go by where maybe I, I don't say it as often. Um, but it's one of my favorite passages out of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, uh, where Jesus, uh, and in fact, while you turn there, it's going to be in Matthew 5. Uh, we'll get to it in a second, uh, and we'll read it. But he says, you are the salt of the earth. And he also says, you are the light. Let your light shine. And so these are important things for us to understand. If Jesus wants us to be salt and he wants us to be light, we need to understand what he means when he says that because it might not be immediately apparent from just saying be salt and be light. You might be like, I don't really know how to do that. (laughs) You might be thinking, um, some of you are like, yeah, I know exactly what Jesus means when he says be salt and be light. And you go out of here and you do that. Some of you are like, I would like to do that. You go out, but you can't quite figure it out. And some of you are sitting there right now going, salt and light, what does that mean? What does it mean and how can I do these things? Because as far as I know, salt is just something I pour out of my food out of a shaker and the lights, you know, that's what comes out of the sun and the light bulbs. How can I be those things? So you might be confused. So I think it's important anytime we run across anything in Scripture where Jesus is telling us to do something or be something and we don't understand what that means, we should explore it. So we're going to take the next two weeks and explore Jesus on salt and light. And then we're going to take a look at what other couple of the guys said, Paul uh, and James as well. But we're going to start out with Jesus. Jesus' instructions on salt and light, but particularly salt today because that's the one we're handling. Uh, come out of Matthew 5, 13 through 16 uh, and the Sermon on the Mount. And it says this, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp, put it under a basket, but on a stand. It gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. Heavenly Father, we ask that you, uh, you open this passage up to us. And help us to understand just exactly what it is you're getting at so that we know how to be salt and light. Now, the beginning of this passage, uh, he talks about two things. And and they give us, we're going to end up with three questions, but we're going to start with these two. Jesus is your salt of the earth. So we have a question. What does that mean? What does salt of the earth mean? That's going to be our first question. Our second question Jesus says salt can lose its saltiness. How does that happen? Is there a warning here for us? What does that look like? What does it mean to me? How do I avoid losing my saltiness, right? Now, most of us know salt as a chemical crystalline compound. We put it in our food. There's a lot of other things we do with salt, um, but it's a, it's, it's a compound of two, uh, two elements, sodium and chloride. They're combined to make a mineral called salt, it's a constituent of seawater. It's used for a number of things, which we're going to talk about in a moment. Among them, seasoning food uh, and preservatives, uh, also for cleaning. But that doesn't help, right? Because I don't think Jesus is saying, be a chemical compound of crystalline salt. When he says, be salt, 
I don't think that's what he's saying, right? Am I, am I right? I mean, I, I don't know how to be a, chemo, a, a chemical compound of crystallized salt. So let's explore some characteristics of salt and see how these combine possibly with what Jesus is saying. What are some of the things we use salt for? First, we use it for seasoning food, right? Uh, that's one of my, you know, it's funny. It's one, of, it, it's one of my favorite seasonings because you have to have it, but you should see the, the spice rack at our house. You open it up. We have one of those corner cabinets, and it has one of those wheel things in it with three levels, all levels spices. Next to that, another cabinet, all levels Asian stuff, soy sauce, and every kind of sauce you can imagine. And then to the left of the stove, there's another cabinet that's full of stuff. And then to the right of the stove, another. I mean, we love spices. We love uh, to try all kinds of different food. But what happens if you leave the salt out? It doesn't really matter how good your spices are, does it? Without some salt, it's bland. It's bland. What if you put in too much salt? Anybody ever done that? I made guacamole a couple months ago. The girls uh, and Lydia, they came in, they ate it, and they're like, this is terrible. What did you do? And I was like, I think I put in too much salt. <laughs> and it was ruined. It was fine in the food. You know, it was fine on a taco, or it was okay in a fajita. But just eating it on a chip, it was horrible. I don't often make mistakes like that. I, I like to undersalt so that you can correct it yourself at the table, right? Um, there are different schools of thought about that. Some people think you should season food perfectly. It may be a matter of, uh, of choice, so I tend to go under. But too little or too much salt can be a problem, can't it? We can also use salt to kill. Has anybody ever used salt to kill anything? We don't live in the right part of the country for this. Uh, we used to live in the Pacific Northwest up in Seattle. They have slugs. Slugs are kind of like snails with no shells. Uh, and and uh, it seems cruel, but the people in the Pacific Northwest hate slugs for a number of reasons. They eat your flowers, they eat your gardens, they eat everything. They just destroy stuff. So you know how to kill a snail? Uh, well, I guess you could use it to kill a snail, but to kill a slug, just pour salt on it. It must be a terrible way to die because it just bubbles. It's just like this chemical reaction. It just goes blah, 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 blah. It's, and some of you are like envisioning that going, oh, no. So you can use salt to kill. Did you know you can also use it to kill weeds? In Montana, we used to put it, we had a deck uh, at the church, and you could throw salt under the deck, because, you know, if you have a deck, like, grass will grow up out of the cracks, right? You can throw salt under there. I don't know if it's a good idea or not, but we used to do that. So you can use salt to kill. You can also use salt to purify and cleanse. Anybody ever gargled salt water? Probably got more people on this one, right? Got a sore throat, gargle some salt water. Sprained ankle, soak your foot in what? Epsom salt water, right? Or if you have a if you have an infected open wound in a finger, I've done that a number of times. Soak that in some hot water with Epsom salts. It is amazing for purifying and drawing out infection. We also use it to preserve. Not as much now, um, but back in the day, people would use salt to preserve meat. They would use it to, to preserve fish. Some cultures still eat salted fish. Um, anybody ever had beef jerky? The, one of the main components in beef jerky is salt. Um, salt is good. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about to be this kind of chemical compound. So let's look in Mar uh, Mark 9, see if we can get some more clues about what Jesus is talking about here when he says to be salt. Mark uh, 9.50 says this, salt is good. Amen. <laughs> that was an amen moment. But if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. Have salt in yourselves 
and be at peace with one another. Jesus is saying salt's a good thing. Have salt in yourselves and be at peace. But now we have three questions. We want to know what does salt of the earth mean? Uh, what happens if we lose our saltiness? And how can we have salt in ourselves? That third question, it's a mystery probably for some of us. So we're going to take these questions on one at a time so that we know what it means when Jesus says be salt or have salt in yourself. Question one. What does salt of the earth mean? In Old Testament times, it was a reference to a person who was a good person. A, a fundamentally righteous person was referred to as salt of the earth. We still use that sometimes. You ever said that about another person? Oh, yeah, he's salt of the earth. Anybody ever used that? I see one, one hand. What are, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna, um, date yourself if you raise your hand on this one. <laughs> All right, be careful. When Jesus says you and I should be salt of the earth, he's tying this Old Testament idea together with the New Testament message that he's giving, saying that having salt uh, in our lives means being transformed by Christ into a disciple of Christ. Discipleship and growing in Christ as a disciple, becoming a Christ follower, simply means to have salt in yourself. That, that's that idea of, of becoming like Christ. So when Jesus says you have salt in you he's saying you have me in you you are my disciple now bear with me let's go back to those characteristics we talked about four characteristics and let's see how our salt our our essence of christianity if you will in us affects those around us remember we talked about salt flavoring things how does your salt your Christianity, your, your Christ-likeness, flavor the world or influence the world around you? Does it bring favor? Does it bring the favor of God, if you will, to people? Does it bring God's influence to people? Does, does the Christianity, the, the Christian-ish of your life, influence others in a positive way? What happens if you have too much salt? <laughs> you ever met a Christian with too much salt? It can happen, right? Yeah. And, and that's where it ties to this next one, the, the, the characteristic that salt can be used to kill. Have you ever met an overly self-righteous person? A Christian who is just so full of themselves that they would smother people with their Christianity. Well, and I put, put Christianity in quotes on that. False righteousness, Right? Now, how about purifying and cleansing? The Word of God brings right understanding. This book brings right understanding, and it brings truth to us. It cleanses us, just as salt does. It cleanses our mind. It cleanses our situations. It cleanses our attitudes. The truth of God and the salt that's in this book cleanses us, and it corrects us. It also preserves the Word of God and the influence of Christ in our lives and the world around us has a preserving effect, if you will, against the decay that we see around us, the decay of morality, the decay of values, the decay of right thinking, the decay of Christian living. If we allow ourselves to be filled with the salt that Jesus is talking about, the very person, essence of Christ then we can have a preserving effect on the world around us. Now, you'll notice Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. Uh, don't miss out what he's saying here. He's not saying, you should be salt of the earth. 
He's not saying you're becoming salt of the earth. He's not saying one day you'll get there and you'll be salt of the earth. He is saying if you're a Christ follower, you're filled with Christ, you know you're walking in Christ, you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are salt. You are salt now. You are salt now. This is why Jesus' declaration comes with a warning. Don't lose your saltiness. So how can salt lose its saltiness? Well, now, salt itself uh, literally can't lose its saltiness. It is one of the four most stable chemical compounds known to man. It does not want to break apart. The sodium and the chloride are bonded by uh, they share a little electron, and they're in love. They're like a happily married couple, and they don't want to break apart. It's very difficult. You leave salt in a shelf in a, in a little container, it's not like it's just going to go unsalty. It doesn't happen with the salt that we have. The chemical bond is very tight. So Jesus must not have been saying, in a literal sense, don't lose salt like the salt you know in your cabinet loses saltiness. I've never had salt lose saltiness. Now, pepper can, right? You grind pepper, leave it in a shaker after a couple months, maybe a couple years. Pepper doesn't taste right anymore. I like it freshly ground. Now, salt, it just doesn't happen. It doesn't lose its saltiness. So he must not have been speaking um, literally. He must have been speaking rhetorically when he says that a Christian can lose their saltiness. The only way that I can explain this is thinking about the idea of delusion, diluting things. Have you ever had anything that was diluted too much? You, know, you, you made Kool-Aid and you put sugar in, but you added too much water. You ever had that? It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. When things get diluted, there's less and less of them in a solution. A Christian can lose their savor or their saltiness. Listen, when the gospel becomes diluted in their life. That's how you lose your saltiness. You allow other things to creep in. You allow the world to creep in. You allow politics to creep in. You allow news to creep in. You allow uh, other ideologies to slip in there. Other religious ideas. Other things that don't come from this book. And the truth of the gospel in your life becomes contaminated, if you will. It becomes diluted. It's not salty anymore because everything you hear that comes from the media and the news and social media and whatever it, it, it affects you it actually infects you and it dilutes the gospel in you the christian who has lost their saltiness listen has mixed the truth of the gospel with other ideologies that's the danger that's when jesus says don't lose your saltiness that's what he's talking about Stay focused, stay centered, stay in Christ. Don't allow other things to sneak in. And we see this happening all around us, don't we? Everywhere we look, we see it happening. We see it happening in individuals. We see it happening in churches, denominations. We can see it happening uh, all around us. Now, perhaps this Christian that we take for an example is, is skeptical. Maybe they're a hair-splitting Christian, and they say they believe in Jesus, but they don't want their lives to be changed. Ever met a Christian like that? I'll accept some of what Scripture says, but not all of what Scripture says. And, and they want to pick and choose and cherry pick. I'll take this idea, but I won't take that one. That's when the gospel becomes diluted in us, when we can't accept everything that's in here, and we want to cherry pick what happens. And instead of planting faith in us, as Jesus says, which is the size of a mustard seed and grows, instead, this, this creates doubt in us. 
when we start to allow other ideologies, other thoughts, and other influences to come in, it creates doubt in us. So maybe the question, how does salt lose its saltiness, is the wrong question to be asking. Maybe instead we should be asking the question, how can I maintain my saltiness? What do I need to do to maintain my saltiness? Which is actually the third question, isn't it? How do we have salt in ourselves? Jesus said, have salt in yourself and have peace with one another. Colossians 4, Paul talks a little bit about salt. We have some instructions from Paul on salt. He says this in Colossians 4, 2 through 6. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door for us for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. And then he says this, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious. Listen to how he ties this to your speech. Seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer each person. You ever thought about that? Seasoning your conversation with salt. And now, that has a different idea in our culture now, doesn't it? When somebody says, uh, well, they, they, their language is a little salty. That means something else, doesn't it? It means they cuss a little bit. Or maybe they cuss a lot. Oof, they're salty. Or they're sharp or they're bitter, right? We have these different terminologies. But Paul here is saying, let your speech be gracious and let it be seasoned with salt. Now, obviously, he's not saying put salt in your mouth and then speak, right? He's talking about this idea that Jesus is bringing to us. That one of the ways we show people what we really believe is by what we say and how we say it. We must say what we learn in this book. These are the things we've got to talk about. And we've got to allow this book and its teachings to season us as we speak. Uh, we may say that we're believers, but when we go to church, we act one way. And when we're in our unguarded moments, we act another or we speak another. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand on that. But some of us, we speak one way at work, one way at home, one way at church. We have different personas. We have different personalities. We have different language sets that we use in different places. What happens when we lose our temper, when we're frustrated, when we're tired, when we're at work? Uh, what happens? We post our thoughts on social media. Do we talk differently in these different arenas? Or do we speak consistently and I think again as I mentioned at the beginning of the service, this is the thing that Jesus is really driving us towards is consistent action consistent thought consistent speech and consistent living so how do we season our conversations with salt how do we regain saltiness how do we maintain it I can think of a few examples uh, what kind of things do you talk about bring the gospel to bear into those situations is that something that you commonly do when you're in a conversation with a person, do you look for entryways for the gospel? Do you look for opportunities to speak? At home, at work, uh, at play, wherever it is. Are you uh, at school? Are you living in a consistent way in your life? And I know, that's hard. Believe me, I, I understand what we're talking about today is not an easy thing to do. It's hard to live consistently at home, at work, at school at play are you living and speaking in a consistent way in your life right now 
Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, the discerning of the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. That's what God's word does. It's like surgery for us. It, it, it does surgery on us. It's, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces. It cuts away. It reveals and discerns thoughts and intentions of the heart. When we bring the gospel to bear in the situations of our lives, then we're being salty. That's the kind of salty Jesus wants us to be. When we bring the gospel to bear, when we talk about the, the, the things that God teaches in his, in his words, when that happens, our mouths and our, our minds are transformed. And God's word is, is let loose. And we know scripture said his word doesn't go out void. What is written in his scripture doesn't go out void. It does its work and then it returns. In your daily lives, do conversations uh, have spiritual matters in them? Do your conversations leave people thirsty? You know, that's one of the things salt does. Did you know that? If you, yeah, you eat too much salt, it makes you thirsty. You ever think about that? Are you making people thirsty for Christ? That's one of the things a salty Christian does. Leaves thirsty people behind. That sounds cruel, right? <laughs> but we know the source of the living water, don't we? Isn't it interesting how all these idioms that Jesus used tie together, isn't it? The salt of the earth, the salty Christian, Jesus Christ, the living water. I, I don't know. Man, go home and study all these again. Think about this. Meditate on this this week. This may have sounded from the beginning. You thought, oh, this is, this is easy. This is like the gospel, guys. This is about the transformation that God does in us. Ephesians 4, 29 says this, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Um, we need to ask God to edit our mouths. And we've talked about this before, haven't we? And it comes up again and again. You know why it comes up again and again? Because it's important to God. And, and it's, it's featured prominently in Scripture that what we say and how we act has a direct bearing on what we actually believe. We say we believe a lot of things. But do our words support it? Do our actions support it? Not unwholesome talk, not the world's salty talk, but instead, I like this, salty gospel talk. Let our mouths be filled with salty gospel talk that builds others up and benefits those who hear it and leaves people thirsty for more. James gives us some instructions on salt in James uh, chapter 3. Turn over to it. James chapter 3, 9 through 11, it says this. And James here, I'm not going to read the whole chapter, so a little preface is James talking about the mouth. He's talking about the tongue and how dangerous it is. Um, and it says, with it, referring to the tongue, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Ouch. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Don't do it. Does the spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Interesting that he's back to salt again. But in a different way, right? Just a, 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 an idea. Can a, you ever met a well or a, or a water fountain or a faucet 
that salt and fresh water came out of? No. It's not a thing. He's saying to be consistent with your mouth. Be consistent with what you say. Be consistent in being a blessing to others. Matthew 12, 34, the, the second half of the verse says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you find yourself saying things that alarm you, you ever said something and you're like, oh, I didn't mean that. Oh, that, that wasn't me talking. That's just something we tell ourselves. That was you. <laughs> that was you talking. You did mean it. We just got to be honest with ourselves. We say some stuff we shouldn't say. Because the saltiness of the gospel hasn't penetrated us completely. Again, the takeaway from today's message, if you take one thing away, one thing to, to practice on, to think on, to meditate on, and to pray on this week is consistency. Consistency. When Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, he is saying, you must be consistent you must be consistent. He's reminding us that our lives uh, of action and speech should not become diluted by the stuff around us, but should be consistent with God's Word. Consistency with what the Bible says. Consistency with what Jesus has taught. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-6 says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take captive uh, every thought to Christ. Being ready to punish every disobedience when your disobedience is complete. Take every thought captive to obey Christ. I want you to think about that. Colossians 3.17, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Take these two things together, and, and, and I want you just to meditate on that idea of taking every thought captive. And maybe you need to ask the Lord for him to help you not only to take every thought captive, but take every word captive. You ever thought about that? Uh, and we, we say a lot of throwaway stuff don't we? I mean, let's just be honest. We say, depending on, on if we're around people a lot during the day or not, we just say a lot of stuff. Um, I love that old study where men uh, have less words to, to, to use than women, and I don't know if, if that's true or not. But we all have a certain number of words that scientists say we will say in about a day. How much of that is just waste? How much of that are we just not taking captive? We're not thinking about. We're not captivating our thoughts. We're not captivating our mouth and allowing God to speak and to use all of those moments and they're wasted these are active choices listen to the verbs take captive that's not something you just sit back and do and it's not something that that Jesus is necessarily doing either you have an active part in this Jesus says take captive so you need to stay in guard you know that's how you that's how you take something captive you're aware you're thinking. You're thinking ahead about what you're going to say. You're asking Christ to post a guard. <laughs> you ever asked him to post a guard at the gate of my mouth? Why not? So that I don't say the things I shouldn't say. And Lord, transform me to be a salty Christian who leaves others hungry, thirsty, 
for the gospel of Jesus Christ. That when we talk about things, we leave people in awe of a God who wants to know them and who wants to help them. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Stop being passive. I think that's part of the, part of the message today. Be consistent. Be active. Take every thought, take every word captive. Whether in name uh, or deed or word, do everything in the name of Jesus Christ. Word for this week, consistency. Consistency. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, teach us to be consistent Christians. And this is going to take some work for all of us. None of us are there. Lord, that we might learn to take captive every thought, every word. For your purposes, for your glory, and for your honor. Lord, tough message today. It was. When Jesus said to be salt, we thought maybe that was easy. But now we know, Lord, that that's something we can't do on our own. Even though there are active verbs in your commands, take thoughts captive take words captive have salt in you these are these are active verbs commands if you will to us about things we must do uh, when we come down to it lord we know we can't do any of these things without your influence in our lives we can't do anything lord without your son jesus christ living in us and transforming us so lord today no matter where we're at whether we're just hearing some of this for the first time and we've never ever asked jesus christ to be our lord and savior or we've been walking with Jesus as Savior for 20, 30, 50, 60, 70 years. Whatever it is, Lord, whatever stage we are at, there is room for growth. There is always more room for you to perfect us and to change us and to conform us into the image of Christ. So, Lord, if there are those today that have never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we know Scripture says all they have to do is ask. You just ask, if you're sitting there today, you're listening online, say, Jesus Christ, uh, I don't want to do this anymore on my own. Forgive me of my sin. I have failed you, and I have failed myself, and I have failed on, on everything that I've tried. Oh, Lord, I know you'll forgive me if I ask. So, Lord, forgive me of my sin. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Save me today, Lord. Scripture says if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead and you call upon his name, that you will be saved. Many of us in this room have made that decision. And you can make that decision today too and ask the Lord Jesus Christ to save you. Lord, no matter where we're at today in this room, new Christian, seeking, uh, old Christian, 10-year-old, 20, 30, 40, whatever it is, Lord, I pray that you will teach us how to be consistent. Be consistent in being salty. That we would have the salt of the gospel in us. And that it would transform us and transform those around us. For your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray.